Is the book of Proverbs, the book of Mishlei, really just for children? What's going on with the book of Ecclesiastes, better known in Hebrew as Kohelet? And why is it read on Sukkot? These questions on the Tanakh Talks podcast. Hi, welcome to the Tanakh Talks podcast. My name is Yaakov Beasley and I'm broadcasting from Alon Shfut, overlooking the hills of Yerushalayim, the holy city. Welcome, and today we're going to be dealing with not one, but two books of Tanakh, the book of Proverbs, known in Hebrew as Mishlei, and the book of Kohelet, known as Ecclesiastes. For about 1,500 years, Jews have been reading Ecclesiastes, the book of Kohelet, during the holiday of Sukkot. It's a tradition, or the law, that long Shabbat morning, 12 chapters, and it's a fascinating discussion because Sukkot is one of the happiest holidays that we have. The Torah commands us twice to be happy on it. And yet, the book of Kohelet, this book of Ecclesiastes, seems to contradict everything that we are trying to teach about the holiday. After all, it's so down and depressing and morose. And it's often compared to the book of Proverbs, the book of Mishlei. What I'd like to do today is to compare between the book of Proverbs and the book of Kohelet, Mishlei versus Kohelet, and let's see what the books are really talking about. And perhaps we can get a greater appreciation for each. I'm going to begin with a quote from Rabbi Moshe Lichtenstein. Rabbi Moshe Lichtenstein is one of the is the Rosh Kolo Ed Gush Yeshiva Hartzion, the son of Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, Zichron Sadik Lebracha, and he writes as follows: Proverbs is addressed to the young child, while Job represents the world of the adult. The voice of the narrator of the Proverbs is didactic parental voice, while Job prevents the raging debate of the embittered adult with his peers. Each message is age appropriate for the needs of its participants. It sounds a lot like he's trying to portray the book of Proverbs, the book of Mishlei, as really basic stuff you should know as children. And later on, you'll find that this stuff really doesn't work out in real life. I'm reminded of Bill Murray's character, Phil Connors, in Groundhog Day, when he first asked the question, what would happen if there'd be no tomorrow? And if you remember the scene in the car where his drunk friend Gus turned, there'd be no consequences. You could do whatever you want. You see the light go off in Bill Murray's head like, you can do whatever you want. That's great. I'm not living by the rules anymore. And of course, he throws out a bunch of proverbs that he says, I'm not going to do anymore. It's always the same old thing, he says. Clean up your room. Stand up straight. Pick up your feet. Take it like a man. What were the other ones? I think it was be nice to your sister. Don't mix beer and wine ever. Oh, yeah. Don't drive on the railway tracks. And as he says that, he's driving down the railway tracks playing tricking with the train. One of the great scenes in movie history. But that's generally how we approach, really, the book of Proverbs. Here are these basic rules that we should all know and all follow. And when the time comes, then, you know, okay, so they don't really work out in real life, but these are things that we have to do. With There's a more subtle approach, I think, that is presented by Rabbi Chaim Angel in his book and in his teachings, in which he suggests, okay, basic simple rules are Mishalim, and life's complexity goes to a book like Ecclesiastes, Kohelet, which wrestles with the contradictions in life. An example of this would be that you would say, don't smoke, it's bad for you. Cut down on the carbs. And of course, in real life, you look and there's always that one smoker who lives to 110 and that guy who can eat fried chicken, you know, for decades and decades and not gain a single pound. On the other hand, you see a guy who writes books on jogging just pass away from a heart attack at the age of 40 while jogging, ironically. But as a general rule, it's probably better not to eat fried chicken every day and not to smoke. That's the way Rav Chaim Angel portrays the book of Proverbs. 
I want to suggest what I think is a more sophisticated and correct understanding of both the book of Proverbs and the book of Kohelet, Ecclesiastes, with all its contradictions and meanderings and difficulties. Now, the contradictions in Kohelet are well known, and already in the time of the Talmud, I'm quoting the Gemara in Shabbat, page 30, Gemara of Yehuda, Rav Shmuel, Ben Shilat, Ben said in the name of Rav, Hachamim wanted to hide the book of Ecclesiastes, put it away, it was holy, but we don't want it in the canon, because its words are all contradictory. Why did they not hide it? Because the first several verses are truth, and the last several verses are truth, or religious teaching, however you wish to translate it. Which, if you think about it, is a very difficult statement to say. Essentially, if I begin every speech with a nice verse, a nice pasuk, and I end with a nice little religious flourish, you know, do good, then I can say whatever I want in the middle. And is that really true? Suggesting that the rabbis are not aware of these contradictions, I'll read one more quote from the, the Midrash. Rabbi Yamin ben Levi said, Chachamim wanted to hide the book of Ecclesiastes because they found it leading towards heresy. Was it right that Shlomo Solomon should have said, Young man, enjoy yourself while you're young. Let your heart lead you into enjoyment in the days of your youth. You know, of course, we, can you imagine if, if we ever had an educational system where our teenagers were actually learning Tanakh? They'd latch onto this verse so quickly. Well, Shlomo Melch, he's the wise of all men. He said, I'm supposed to enjoy myself in my youthful days. Party on, boys. YOLO, you only live once, right? This would be exactly the verse that they would quote to support their partying. Shlomo says, follow desires of your hearts and of, of your eyes. This is in Perak Yudalaf, Pasuk Ted, in Kohel. For those who are looking, think I'm not making this up. This is chapter 11, verse 9. And so the rabbis continue in the Medrash. What, is all restraint to be removed? He says, oh, because he says at the end, but remember God's watching. So that makes it somehow okay. Again, this is a very troubling approach. How do we deal with these contradictions in Kohelet? What is Kohelet trying to accomplish? Are we simply left with the childlike sayings, the simple pithy sayings of Mishlei? So let's try to understand how both of these books work, and then perhaps we can get to what to, I think is a proper understanding of both Mishlei and Kohelet. Let's begin with the goal of each of these books. I think both of these books have one thing in common, and they're looking for wisdom. What is Chokhmah? What is the proper path I should follow? This is obviously what the beginning of Mishlei says. Mishlei is unabashedly all about searching for wisdom. The first verse, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and discipline and words of understanding, to receive the words of discipline of wisdom, righteousness, justice, equity. Everything about Mishlei is acquiring wisdom. And if you look at Kohelet, Kohelet has a much more ambivalent relationship. On one hand, he describes how in chapter 1 already, he says in verse 13, I applied my heart to seek out and search out wisdom concerning all things done under the, heaven, under the heaven. But it's really, really difficult. And by the end of the chapter, he says, I spoke to my own heart. I've gotten great wisdom more than anybody else before me in Jerusalem. But I applied my heart to know wisdom and no mass of that this is also striving after wind, meaning there was no value to this. And he concludes the chapter, chapter one, Kibarov Chokhmah Rav Kas. Much wisdom just leads to much vexation and frustration. There's nothing I can do. Similarly, in chapter 2, what does Kohelet do? He begins in chapter 2, in the middle of chapter 2, I turn myself to behold wisdom, madness, and folly. For what can man do that comes after the king? This is chapter 2, verse 12. But then in the next verse he says, And I saw, Somehow wisdom is better than folly. 
Whereas Proverbs, Mishlei, is so unabashedly, become smart, become smart, become smart, search our wisdom at all costs. Kohelet does not do so. Kohelet has a much more ambivalent relationship with wisdom. The question is why? I think the answer is in how the book of Proverbs defines wisdom. What is wisdom according to the book of Proverbs? It's not simply knowing a bunch of differential equations or being able to write a good self-help book, although that's always a good thing. You know, self-help is always good. Rather, it is something that's so much more valuable. The reason it is valuable is because it reflects a sense of order in the world. Wisdom in, if you look carefully, you know, this wisdom is not just simply, there's a divine way the world is set up. And through wisdom, which requires a lot of discipline, he doesn't say becoming wise is easy. It takes a lot of work in Proverbs. But wisdom reflects divine order. Okay, this is how Proverbs portrays it. Of course, more importantly, where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from, ultimately, God. This is the end of chapter 8 I'm looking at in Mishlei, when Lady Wisdom, as it were, gives her own speech. She says, where am I from? I will love those who love me. I'll seek those who seek me. Hashem acquired me at the beginning of his way. Hashem koneni reshi darko, the Lord acquired me. The wisdom is created before the mountains, and when he had not yet created the land, and he describes the greatness of God's creation, wisdom and knowing God are the same thing. Appreciate the divine order with which the world is run. Kohelet, on the other hand, is perhaps, and in this respect, you understand the frustration of the rabbis with Kohelet, it, has, it is as anti-religious a book as it gets. Now, not because the strivings are anti-religious, but rather Kohelet willingly limits himself to a smaller perspective. Kohelet says, I'm trying to discover the purpose of life, but I'm only going to limit the field of my inquiry to Tachat HaShemesh. Tachat HaShemesh means the physical world, the natural world. Without any divine help, I'm already, as it were, putting on blinders on the glasses. For Kohelet, the key words are, first of all, Hevel, Hevel, Hevel. This occurs 38 times, and the best translation of Hevel here is not vanity, but rather meaningless or chaos. There, chaos. there isn't the order that Mishlei Proverbs see. So you have Mishlei saying there is order in the world, and Kohelet saying, no, I only see chaos. Mishlei comes and says there is wisdom that is meant to be seen and acquired. And Kohelet says, sometimes he says it's a good thing. Sometimes he hesitates. Sometimes he says there's no value to wisdom. Because Kohelet understands, or at least is portraying wisdom as differently. Man-made wisdom can only take you so far. So we have the words in Kohelet, Hevel, which appears 38 times. Tachat HaShemesh under the physical sun, in the physical world, or what one scholar said correctly, everything that Kohelet can perceive, Kohelet is really an evidentialist. I'm only going to build my worldview based on what my eyes can see. The Midrash actually picks up with this. There's a wonderful Midrash in Chavchet. What benefit does man have from everything under the heaven, from all his effort under, sorry, under the sun, Tachat HaShemesh, Said Rabbi Shlomo Bar Nachmani, from his effort under the sun, meaning in the purely physical world, you're ultimately not going to get any benefit. But from the effort of Torah, meaning things that are above the sun, or what Kohelet alludes to twice, Tachar HaShemayim, on a higher level, you know, under the heavens, there are things that have value. This is what Kohelet is really saying. If you limit yourself to a godless world, you're going to run yourself into frustration. 
Michelet never falls into the labyrinth that Kohelet barely gets himself out of, because Michelet never assumes a world without God. Kohelet never uses the name of God in the Megillah. If you look carefully at the 12 chapters, the name of God, Yudke Vavke, Hashem, never appears. The world Elohim, that there's this divine order, perhaps appears 40 times. But never anybody you have a personal relationship with. You'll say to me, wait just a second, I thought only Megillah Esther didn't have the name of God in it. Well, you're correct, but you're not. If you look carefully, not only does Megillah Esther not have the name of God, but neither does Shirashirim. And if you look a little bit more closely into Kohelet, the name of God also doesn't appear if the name of God is Yudke Vavke. The name Elohim appears in this large, divine, impersonal God with which we have no relationship. And that's precisely the point. Kohelet is trying to discover whether or not there is wisdom without God's presence. Mishlei is not childish. Mishlei simply says, I'm going to take the broad perspective. Ultimately, there is a God in the world. Ultimately, there is wisdom, and therefore there is order in the world that I see. And Mishlei does not fall into the labyrinth that Kohelet cannot extricate himself from. This really is the difference between the two. This now fits in so beautifully with what we believe Sukkot is trying to teach. In Sukkot, you go outside. You're in a hut. Now, the hut has a roof on it. But intentionally, it does not have a roof that you cannot see through. You have to be able to see the heavens above. It's fascinating. Rav Hirsch, Shimshon Raphael Hirsch, the great German commentator of the 19th century, said, we talk about the war of Gog and Magog. The word Gog, he says, is etymologically related to the word Gog, roof. There are people who are willing to allow God to come into their lives through their ceilings, and there are people who have placed a roof, a barrier between them and their spiritual self, and of course to the divine, towards Hashem above. And that is the ultimate conflict that has to be resolved in human history. Do we allow God inside or not? Kahal starts with God, he ends with God, and therefore that's, those are really the rope that allows him to extricate himself from the maze and the labyrinth of difficulties and complexities he's fallen into. But there's no need to do so, says Mishlei, because you have God at the beginning. And therefore, if you're willing to put the effort in and the work in, as Mishlei describes, wisdom is not easy to acquire, but it's worth it. And with that thought in mind, I want to wish everybody who's sitting in Sukkot and have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbat, and God bless. This has been Tanakh Talks, broadcasting from Alonshfut in the hills of Jerusalem.